athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Only on them seas if it's breeze. Red ruby the sleeves, Chinese on my sleeve. These wanna be Chun Li's anyway. Yeehaw. Thank you for joining me on another edition of the program. NBA talk is gonna be very prevalent today here on the show. As a matter of fact, in a couple of moments, Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, gonna join us on the program. We're gonna talk about the sale of the Washington Commanders as well. Hit me up on my personal Twitter account if you want to discuss anything, Commanders, NBA, etc. At DWare1, at DWare1 today on the show. We got we got just really a whole lot, uh, as we normally do, a whole lot to get to on today's program. Again, hit me up via Twitter, at DWare1, at DWare1. We're going to keep things moving here on the program. Time to talk. Some NBA, and you know we got to catch up with Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, as the play-in tournaments have finished. The playoffs are set. We got a lot to talk about with Mike. What's going on, Mike? Hey, what's going on, D man? Good to be on with you as as usual, man. It's much a big big time pleasure, man. Can't wait to uh, chop it up with you. Yeah, so let's talk about the Grizzlies, the team that you cover for Grind City Media. And, of course, for more information, uh, you can check out grindcitymedia.com. I guess we talked maybe two, three weeks ago, uh, you know, John Morant and and where he was, where this organization uh, was. Your thoughts on what the Grizzlies have been able to do the last uh, couple of weeks here to sew up that uh, number two seed in, in the playoff uh, series against the Lakers? I mean, when you come down the stretch run of the season, you know, the Grizzlies have faced their most, uh, you know, it, it was adverse, man. It was a lot of adversity, you know, a lot of things that were going on, you know, on and off the floor um, that really challenged this team when you came into March, right? But then when you when you look at how they recovered from a lot of that stuff, uh, what John Morant was going through, you know, with his league suspension and the injuries and all of these other things, um, the Grizzlies posted a 12-5 and record. Um, you know, Taylor Jenkins was named Coach of the Month uh, for for basically for March and the beginning of April, and they really rounded themselves into form. So at a time when, you know, they could have fallen apart and, and really gone the opposite direction, they did everything they needed to do to, you know, to uh, hold on to that number two seed in the West to challenge Denver for the number one seed all the way up until the last week of the season. And uh, now you're going into the playoffs. You're not you're not completely healthy because Steven Adams won't be there and, and – you know, uh, uh, Brandon Clark won't be there, so you're missing two key pieces pieces of your power rotation. Um, but at the end of the day, man, you're making the best of it that you can, and I think we're seeing the best version of the Grizzlies considering what they have available right now. 
Your thoughts on the Lakers and the way that the Lakers played down the stretch. I remember you and I talked. It's interesting. We talked either January or February, and I asked you a question about Anthony Davis. And I actually got somebody tweeted me about it because they, they called me a Laker hater. Right. And uh, then like, you know, but then like the next week, literally <laughs> Anthony Davis goes down uh, yeah. as we had talked about. I and mean, that was the, that's the whole thing. He's like not reliable, but that's that has not been the case more recently. It's been he's been very reliable and the Lakers are playing well going into this matchup against the Grizzlies. Oh, I mean, he's playing phenomenal. And, and the thing is, this is the Anthony Davis that the Lakers traded for. Now, granted, those guys won, you know, the NBA title in the bubble that year. Um, but, you know, a lot of people discount that because of all the dynamics that went into, you know, secluding teams in the league and all of that kind of stuff and being in one spot. But when you look at what you see from Anthony Davis right now, particularly after LeBron James went out with that foot issue, Anthony took it upon himself. He said, listen, I got to be what I need to be right now uh, for this team. And at a time where he could have taken a game or two off to deal with some of the things he was going through, he still played and pushed through it. Um, you know, this is a guy, yeah, it seems like injuries find a way to haunt him no matter what. You always, you know, cringe every time he falls because you're not sure if he's going to get back up and finish a game. But, I mean, his resilience in and of itself, man, uh, you know, over the last five weeks um, has been remarkable. And I think that's what makes him that Hall of Fame talent and that, that elite player uh, that everybody felt like he was, you know, five, ten years ago when he was on the ascent. And now he's just got everything going for him right now. So Anthony Davis is going to be the key for the Grizzlies uh, in terms of their defensive matchup. Like, how do you stop Anthony Davis if you're the Memphis Grizzlies? I think they have a handle on how to, you know, manipulate certain things around what LeBron James does. But Anthony Davis is a big enough body, a physical enough force where, you know, you really don't have a counter for him if he's on his game and particularly if he's aggressive at the rim. You know, it wouldn't necessarily be an upset, even though it's a 2-7 matchup, if the mm-hmm. Lakers were to beat the Grizzlies, because uh, to your point, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you, if you have those two, you've got a chance. But they've got, you know, I like, really like the way Reeves is playing, uh, uh, D'Angelo Russell. I mean, this is a solid, a solid team. But what do the uh, do the Grizzlies have to do to make sure that this is not uh, what some may consider a mild upset? You know, they got to win at home. First and foremost, I mean, I'm in the process right now of, of putting out a piece uh, for Grind City Media going into this series that, that looks at the five keys that I think are the five most essential keys uh, for the Grizzlies to have success in this series. And, you know, the odds makers said that this is probably the most even, the second most evenly matched, uh, well, really the most evenly matched series uh, when you look at it, you know what I mean, in, in the West for sure. You know, there's some people who think that the 4-5 or five over in the East between Cleveland, you know, and New York is evenly matched. You have uh, uh, the Golden State Warriors' favorite to beat the Sa- Sacramento Kings, uh, according to most of these books out there. And then right after that, the Grizzlies. I mean, they're, they're number two, but, you know, it's it's only slightly above a 50-50 shot that people are giving the Grizzlies to win this series, at least the betting market. So, you know, what they have to do, man, you got to win at home. The one advantage that you do have, there's two areas that you do have a clear advantage statistically and, and from a matchup standpoint against the Los Angeles Lakers. Number one, you got to win your home games. That's the reason why you have the number two seed. One more game will be played in Memphis than will be played in L.A. You won the one time you played the Grizzlies in Memphis. You lost the two times against them in, uh, in L.A. So the regular season didn't favor you in terms of home court, but the postseason does. You have to be able to take care of home. And number two, got to play at your pace. The Grizzlies have to get into an up-tempo 
uh, style of play against the Lakers who want to slow it down and play half-court basketball for the most part. So if the Grizzlies can do that, they give themselves a really, really good chance, man, of uh, putting themselves in a position uh, to move past this series and move on. Mike Wallace is the senior editor of Grind to City Media. He joins us here on the program as we talk some NBA. You mentioned the Kings and the Warriors series. All I've heard is that, you know, Mike Brown's done a great job, but all I've heard is that the the Kings are a young team. The Warriors are the defending champs, even though they haven't played well. You talked about on the road. Well, in this scenario, the Kings have home field advantage where the Warriors have been terrible on the road. That said, do you subscribe to that theory that the Kings may be too young to get past the Warriors? No, I don't subscribe to that. I mean, I think the Warriors are going to see a lot in the Kings that they saw in the Grizzlies last year. You know what I mean? The Warriors went into that series against a younger team. The Grizzlies hadn't gotten that far. Um, at least this iteration of the Grizzlies hadn't. Um, and then they had their hands full. I mean, that was a, a six-game series that John Morant didn't finish because he missed the last couple of games with a knee issue. And Steven Adams wasn't there at the start because of a COVID situation. So, you know, now you got a fully stocked Sacramento team that has one of the most prolific offenses in NBA history based on the stats in terms of how they're scoring and the efficiency in which they're scoring. So, you know, the one thing we know about the Warriors, they can put the ball in a hole, but they can't stop anybody as much as they used to be able to do. And they struggled to win on the road. Now, granted, they're not going to have to get on a plane not once in this series because you take the 80-mile drive, you know, up the interstate or down the interstate uh, back and forth. So this is going to be convenient. There's some guys that live further out <laughs> uh, from, from Golden State's arena, um, uh, you know, and commute into work every day than they will have to go to in terms of going to Sacramento to play a road game. So, you know, these are some things that, you know, make that series so intriguing. Mike Brown obviously going up against his former boss and Steve Kerr. You know, so many of the assistants that Mike took with him uh, were off of Kerr's staff in, in, in Golden State. Um, the way they play, the style in which they play, and how they were molded is, is a lot similar to what Golden State's doing. So, you know, if Golden State has anything in their advantage, it's the experience factor. Uh, but they're going to have to play defense and figure out a way to win in what's going to be a raucous environment because Sacramento hadn't seen a home playoff game in 17 years. And this new building that they're in, a relatively new building, uh, has never seen a playoff game. They're not at Arco anymore. They're at, you know, Golden One Center, which is one of the most fantastic arenas we have in this league. So that fan base, that arena, that environment, this opponent, man, you can't ask for more in terms of that series when, when you have Golden State going up against Sacramento. A lot of uh, these four or five, I mean, the four or fives, generally speaking, are good. But I mean, the, the couple that we have are, are, are good the Suns and the Clippers. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know. I think a, a lot of people like the Clippers, but I, I don't know. Paul George, uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard. I mean, these guys have sort of been hurt. I, I, the pieces around them I'm not sold on. Meanwhile, I look at, at the Suns, and I, 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 all I see, I see Kevin Durant. Like, I realize, right, like last year, you can look at what the Celtics were able to do um, to the Brooklyn Nets and Kevin Durant in that last year. They bottled, bottled him up. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't see that. Happening. So how much of a chance do you give the Clippers against the Suns in this series? You know, I, I, 
I give the Clippers a chance because they've been they've had to play with and without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard for the most part throughout this season. Um, they stacked up, they they loaded up to get some 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 players in there that can add to their depth into in terms of uh you know being able to have some extra help on the wing. You know uh, Norman Powell is, is is on the wing with them. Um, you know you also have Bones Highland who came over from Denver uh, is out there with them. Um, Eric Gordon is a guy that's definitely a catch and shoot maestro if nothing else. And he's a capable defender when you know in in certain situations. Um, so if you have at least Kawhi Leonard able to play, um, then you have enough. You have you have enough wings that can you know that can at least line up across from Devin Booker and Kevin Durant and make those guys you know have to play on both ends of the floor. So you know I, I think they have a chance. Zubak is a, is a really good big. He knows what he's capable of doing around the rim. I think he can give you know Aiden's at least some discomfort uh, if nothing else. Um, and then when you look at the point guard situation, I mean, it's going to be can Chris Paul uh, navigate the Suns, um, you know, up against, you know, Russell Westbrook. They've had their history, man, going for decades now. Um, is, West, is Westbrook going to be a liability or is he going to be an asset? Ever since he got to the Clippers, he's been more of an asset than a liability. So, you know, that's going to make it intriguing. I, I do think the Clippers have a puncher's chance. But, I mean, this is set up for the Suns. And if they can't do this now, you wonder when are they going to ever be able to do it? Because one thing you cannot really rely on when it comes to Kevin Durant at this age and at this stage is for him to be healthy to get you through a season. We saw Devin Booker miss a lot of games uh, trying to struggle to get through a season. And then they made the big-time trade. So, you know, this is this is the Suns' window. I mean, it's unfortunate because it's short, but they have a window right now to get it done, and it's going to be an intriguing series. Follow Mike Wallace on Twitter at MyMikeCheck as he's the senior editor of Grind City Media, joins us here on the program. Let's step aside, take a break. Come back. We'll talk more with Mike. A couple of playoff matches, and then we'll also talk about some teams that underachieved during the NBA season and some teams. Where do they go from here? Some of the bottom teams in the league. You've got it locked to box to row. The old renaissance is the new renaissance, standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company, uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. All Weaver Street Markets. Harris Teeter. Food Lion. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, and Barica Soul. Greece is cheap. But the airfare costs a fortune. Paris? Not much closer. And again, airfare... What about Puerto Vallarta? Let's face it, flying anywhere is just too expensive. Wait, what's this? 
low-cost airlines. With one call to low-cost airlines, you'll drastically slash your travel costs. We're talking insanely low airline prices to any of your favorite destinations. Where would you like to go? London, Rome, Costa Rica, Australia? Wow, that's cheap. So why wait? Call now to learn how crazy cheap it is to fly anywhere in the U.S. or international. Our prices are so low, we can't publish them. The only way to get them is to call to instantly hear the most amazing best deals on airline travel. It's that easy. So call now and start packing. 800-303-3398. 800-303-3398. 800-303-3398. That's 800-303-3398. Are you worried about your taxes? Okay, so I'm talking to those of you out there that have not filed in a few years with the IRS or state. It's time to get worried, and here's why. The IRS is getting back from their own COVID lockdown, and they're hiring more enforcers, and they're going to come after people that owe taxes. So if you're a 1099 worker, and maybe you just plain forgot to file your taxes, you need to call the professionals right now at the tax helpline. They are experts at knowing the tax regulations, and their goal is to help you pay as little as possible. Call right now and get a 100% free tax evaluation. Remember, before the IRS knocks on your door, knock on our door. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, make this free call right now. Call taxes 321 now at 800-797-0891. 800-797-0891. That's 800-797-0891. On last week's from the press box to press row with Donald Ware. This is what Angel Reese said. I don't accept the apology. They can have that spotlight. We'll go see Michelle. We'll go see Barack. Really? Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Not only do student athletes have money, but now we're talking about student athletes having more power than they should have. Right? You don't speak for LSU. You don't speak for the Obamas. It almost feels like, well, First Lady Biden, you're not the Obamas. The Obamas were for us. From the press box to press row is one of the hottest sports talk shows in the country. Join Donald each week as he takes you on a journey through the world of HBCU sports and pro sports and interviews with top sports and entertainment figures. That's from the press box to press row each week on your favorite station. Now, back to From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. We're back here on the program talking with Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media as we talk some NBA, NBA playoffs. The other four or five, the Cavaliers and the Knicks. This is a phenomenal series. Like, I've watched, you know, both, and, and Brunson with the Knicks has been Phenomenal. Mitchell with the Cavaliers has been phenomenal. I mean, what a series this is going to be. Who do you think ultimately wins this series? I think Cleveland ultimately wins it because I think they're a better defensive team. Um, you know, Julius Randle is still dealing with the I- issue with, you know, he's hurt. You know, I don't know if, if, if his, you know, his body's going to allow him to get as close to 100% as he's going to need to be to be effective against, you know, what Cleveland can do defensively. I mean, you're talking about uh, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen um, providing that up front. And then you also have Karis LeVert, who's capable as a defender on the wing as well, too. Um, I just love what Cleveland has. And that's not even to mention Donovan 
Mitchell and their dynamic backcourt, his backcourt made Darius Garland. I mean, if it's a team, you know, one, two, three, four, five, I don't know if anybody in the league matches up like that, quite like that. Maybe Phoenix does, but one, two, three, four, five, I mean, Cleveland is such an essential connected team right now, and, and I just love J.B. Bickerstaff, man. I loved him when he was in Memphis. Um, I've loved him before then, just the way he carries himself and conducts himself as a man, um, and also as a coach. He deserves this opportunity, and Cleveland stuck with him. Uh, credit them for allowing him to stick through you know, some initial growing pains the first couple seasons there to get to this trade with Donovan Mitchell and to get to this roster that they have now. So I like what Cleveland is doing. Um, they're my dark horse, man. I think they're going to ruffle some feathers, not only in the 4-5, but if there's a team that can disrupt and sort of throw off Milwaukee, I think it is Cleveland. And, you know, that could be a team that could disrupt the party and end up making a serious run at the Eastern Conference Finals, if not making it to the finals. So that's my dark horse team, man. That's kind of the team that I'm, I'm, I'm pulling for. But I do respect what the Knicks have done. For them to come where they came from to be a legitimate, legitimate playoff team right now, um, that tells you everything you need to know about Jalen Brunson and, and the kind of player that he is. And good for him, man, because, again, Dallas had a chance to keep this young man. Forget what you know what, what the narratives are that have been out there in the media and how the team wants to spend certain things and all of that. They had a chance to give him the right kind of deal, and it would have been peanuts based on what they're going to end up having to pay Kyrie. But that's a story for another day. At the end of the day, I respect the Knicks. I love what they're doing. I see their development, uh, but I just think Cleveland is too strong for them. It's going to be a competitive series, an entertaining one, but I think Cleveland pulls away in that one. Yeah, you're right, but I mean, you're, you're absolutely right about Brunson and, and, uh, and the Mavericks. So I want to talk about a couple of chi- uh, teams that underachieve. Let me start with, with Washington. I, I'm just, I'm trying to understand. They have a, you know, sort of a semi-big three now. Bill gets the bag. He, he signs the max deal. Um, you know, Porzingis for the fir- maybe for the first time in his career is healthy pretty much. Kyle Kuzma balled out, so you ha- have a big three, but not much around that team. Further, you look at the Wizards, the last number, I guess the last first-round pick that was was good was probably Bill. That's going back 10 or 11 years ago. Like, what's going on with the Wizards? And then, I mean, do you think a guy like Porzingis – Resigns. I mean, the, the Wizards can pay, pay him the most money, and, and he has the player option, which would pay him the $36 million uh, on next year. Do you think Kuzma resigns? What, what's going on with the Wizards? If they both resign, are you convinced that they're going to do any better than where they were this year? You know what I mean? That's the thing. Like, when you look at the salaries that all of these guys are, are making and what they're opting into or opting out of and commanding as they move forward, I mean, they're one textbook example of the benefits of the collective bargaining agreement and how the floor has been lifted for everybody, but the ceiling hasn't been uncovered yet. Like, they haven't, like that team is going to get paid as if they do have a big three. You use the big three term, and then when you rolled off the names of the big three, I'm sitting there scratching like, hold up, I, I see maybe a one and a half. You know what I'm saying? They certainly are. If this was spades, there certainly weren't three books that I'm counting on, you know, when it comes to that. You know what I mean? And that's that's my hometown team, man. So, you know, and, and I love Shepard, you know, what he's doing and, 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 and the kind of leader that he's been in the front office. And, you know, um, Unsell, man, I had a chance to run into him during the All-Star break. You know what I mean? Just we were in New York, ended up at the same, you know, off-Broadway play. And, you know, it was, it was just, you know, I, I like those guys and, and I want them to do well. But it's just I haven't seen enough evidence that they're really – 
able to make the next step. I don't know if it's the supporting cast that needs to be stronger or if it's the guys that they're trying to build around as a foundation that need to be better. But then you complicate things when you don't have a lot of draft success that you can point to right away. Now, they've had a lot of lottery picks, but they haven't had a lot of draft success of guys that you said, oh, this is the guy that we drafted two years ago or three years ago that we're building around. No, like you said, Bradley Bill was the last name that comes to mind. I can give you three or four guys that they've drafted in the lottery that didn't pan out and no longer is there. So I don't know, man. If you're going to reinvest that kind of money, I don't know if you see the promising upside of getting the results that are any different than what you've seen from a middling team over the last three or four years. Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, talking some NBA. And then the Trailblazers. I mean, Damian Lillard is there, but I, I mean, th- that seemed like, you know, Grant, and, and you've got the, uh, the, young, the younger guy, um, uh, his name is escaping me, but it's like they had some pieces there. Damian uh, Lillard. Anthony Simons, Anthony, Shaden yes. Sharp. You there got you go. Shaden Sharp, Anthony Simons. You got, yeah, a couple yeah. other, yeah. Uh-huh. You got some guys, and, and yet mm-hmm. and still, in a weak West, th- this is a team that was on the outside looking into the play-in tournament. Yeah, and and then they pulled the plug, you know, on the season, you know, with 20 games or so, almost 20 games ago, you know, left. And you still got Nurkic there, you know. Um, Nurkic is still down there in the post. And, you know, again, statistically, this was Damian Lillard's most prolific season when you talk about his scoring, his shooting, and what he was able to do in terms of uh, efficiency. And that, that you, you get that from Damian Lillard plus the loyalty of never rolling the team under the bus when he was given multiple opportunities to do so. Um, you got the best leadership you can get from him, and you got the stats, and you couldn't even be competitive in a league that now allows teams under 500 to still compete for the play-in. That's disturbing if you're Portland, man. And, you know, you got to wonder what direction are they really going to go in. Um, if Damian is going to consider staying in Portland – it, then, then something else has to give because I don't know if they're going to be able to get past some of these teams in the West. Certainly if, if Phoenix stays intact. I mean, just look at – Denver's not really going anywhere. I, I do think Denver will have to look at changing up some things if they get bounced in the first or the second round. I think if they don't get to the Western Conference Finals, you can see some changes with the roster at least in Denver. But then you go down, you know, the Grizzlies are on a team on the come. They're not going to change much. Matter of fact, Jaws' extension kicks in next year. So, And then Desmond Bain's extension kicks in the year after that so this team is set um then you go to number three sacramento is young and up and coming they're not going anywhere uh phoenix is only going to get another uh, solid year especially if all those guys come back they're going to roll it back again with what they have um and then you go five i think the clippers are in danger um you know and, and then you just keep going from there all the way down golden state um they're on their last run they're gonna have to make some decisions and then you go to seven you know the lakers they they were the second best team in the league since the all-star break so they want to roll it back with this team to see what they look like for a full run um and, and then you go for, i mean okc might be the the youngest up-and-coming team we have in the league too they're built like the grizzlies are now um and then you just keep going pelicans is zion gonna really you know pan out to be something so tell me a team that i just mentioned among those seven or eight or nine where you can insert portland and say hey they have a shot I don't know. I mean, that's just the, that's just the, where the league is right now. Dallas is certainly in shambles. All three teams in Texas, you know, you just kind of just dismiss at this point. And then when you look at it, like, who's left after that, man? Utah, I mean, they don't really want to win right now. They want to reload. So Portland, Portland, man, is in an interesting place, and I want to see where they go to, go to. But they certainly have a Hall of Famer that they got to keep in Elisa Pease and uh, Damian Lillard. Last thought, Mike, we appreciate the time. What's the Pistons in the – the Rockets just really puzzling. 
um, where particularly the, the Rockets more recently where this organization has fallen to. I know the Pistons are trying to get some some things done, but what, what, I mean, do you foresee either of those two franchises doing and I don't you can get they can't get worse. So can they make the playoffs? I guess yeah, that's the question. Yeah, can they make yeah. the playoffs next year? You know, I think the Pistons might be a little bit closer because I don't think they have as far to go to get competitive in the East. Like when you're talking about, you know, the 7, 8, 9, 10 area in the East, none of those teams really, you know, overwhelmed you, um, uh, particularly the teams that made the play in this year. So, you know, are you afraid of the Miami Heat? Not really. You know, are you afraid of, you know, Chicago Bulls or Toronto Raptors? You know what I mean? Um, from that standpoint, you know, not Atlanta Hawks. Those four teams don't really just scare you. So can 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 Detroit with a little more – uh, health, and you know, you got to get Cunningham healthy. Um, you know, obviously Wiseman just got there at the middle of the season. So if you can start a season with with uh, uh, Ivy continuing to do what he's doing in terms of growing, Cunningham getting his body right, and then you know, um, you know, the big man in the middle man um, being able to take the next step. You might have what you need in terms of a team that can grow and, and get up there. Now they're going to have some competition with Orlando, but um, other than that, I mean, that's you know, Orlando was on the cusp with trying to make the play in there too. So I think Detroit is closer than Houston, but I do like some of Houston's young pieces. I just think that the 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 culture of losing that was taking place in Houston over the last two years that could be detrimental. I don't think Dwayne Casey in Detroit establish a culture of losing they were just young and hurt i think they're a little bit closer to turning it around in houston is follow him on twitter at my mike check check out his work at grindcitymedia.com he is mike wallace the senior editor of grind city media he joins us here on the program mike as always appreciate the time man we'll look forward to catching up with you uh, real soon and chopping up uh, some more nba talk absolutely absolutely anytime man looking forward to it more of this program after this small pause for the cause. You've got it locked to Box to Row. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. Uh, it's a great story and uh, I'm just having fun you know, living my dream and riding the ride. That, of course, the voice of Bianca Belair. EST is in the building. And that's what Sasha Banks and I are going to do. We're going to... Uh, to WrestleMania, we're going to create history. We're going to be the first two black females to have a title match at WrestleMania. I always say representation is it's not a request, it's a requirement. And I'm going to, to try to become SmackDown Miss Champion. But it's more than just creating a moment and becoming a champion. Just by us standing in the ring, we are representation for women and for black women. And so that's an amazing feeling to be able to be that, be that person and be on that platform and the greatest days them all. And, and be able to create history. It's just, it's an honor. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for him. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can, no matter who you're playing. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused. Just really, you know, excited. Rob Manfred is the commissioner of Major League Baseball players that have been accused in their career of using performance-enhancing drugs, should they be in the Baseball Hall of Fame? I'm going to focus on one word in your question, okay? Accused. Players who have tested positive or there's otherwise been real solid proof that they were involved with performance-enhancing drugs, I think that Hall of Fame writers 
are entitled to make their own judgment about those players as to whether they think that performance-enhancing drugs or their use of performance-enhancing drugs should prevent them from being in the Hall of Fame. You cannot determine who used performance-enhancing drugs by the way a player looks. It's simply not possible. The one and only Michael Strahan. Always good to talk to you. Hopefully next time it won't be, what, 14 years you get to it. <laughs> encouraging people to be better and do better and, and that's what i love man so thank you i appreciate you i'm talking about none other than common well i ended up in fam just because i wanted to major in business and fam you had the illustrious school of business then i found out that business was the key that's what i wanted to do nba all-star chris paul that was great to bring it back to one salem state university uh black college something that my city had never seen before may never see again and just having a up close and personal feeling with LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Melodes. It was exciting. I'm grateful for those guys coming out. He is Stephen A. Smith. Congratulations on all the things y'all have done. Congratulations. Keep up the hard work. Winston Salem State, I had an absolute ball. The only part that was bad uh, was the basketball because my first year there, I cracked my kneecap in half. If I had one thing that I could do over, it would be that I would be there 100% healthy so I could really showcase what I could do. But outside of that, there's absolutely nothing that I would have changed. It was the greatest years of my life. Simone Biles. I guess I just go in there with a positive, open mind of just doing what we do in training and going out there and doing the best that we can do and just have fun with it. I didn't really think of the outcome, but I knew that we had been training hard and we were re- we were just ready. Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. Called all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So. I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. Still, you football league has done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have going to Division One. Kyrie Irving. Playing a dude for Coach K. What was that like and how that prepared you for the league now? Playing 11 games, you know, a lot of people think that's not a... You know, big package for you to become a better player, but for me it was playing for Coach Day. He gave me the keys to, to the car, and I was driving it in first eight games. And you know, being a part of something special like that, and having a brotherhood built at an institution such as that one, is an experience that you never forget. Ice Cube has been our guest. Hey man, thanks for letting me talk a little music, movies, and sports. Hey, my favorite three topics. Hey everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson, international movie star and funny mother. <laughs> and you're listening to From the Press Box. From the Press Box to Press Row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a player for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's From the Press Box to Press Row, real, relevant, radio. Welcome back to Box to Row. If you want to participate here on the conversation, you can hit me up via Twitter at DWare1, at DWare1, also at Box to Row, B O X T O R O W. Follow us while you're there. So, OBJ, OBJ signs with. The Baltimore Ravens. Okay, I mean that. That's that's. I mean that's a good move if you're the Ravens. I mean the the uh, the the money is uh, is very interesting. I mean, reports state that 
their guarantees of $15 million, I guess maybe incentives, you add incentives, the, the, it's a one-year deal, could be worth as much as 18 to $20 million, which is, uh, which is pretty interesting. But, I mean, I guess the question that I have, and uh, he, he spoke at the press conference, didn't make any reference to Lamar Jackson necessarily coming back, although I, I think the belief is that now there may be more of a, you know, more conversation to be had between the Ravens and and Lamar, and I, I, I don't. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not sure how uh, that is uh, because the Ravens and I, and again, I think the Ravens uh, decided, hey, we're gonna put the this franchise tag, non-exclusive franchise tag, which means okay, now you can go out and and seek what you think the market says your worth and the Ravens at that point can match or not. If they don't match, then they would get two first round uh, draft picks for Lamar Jackson. So I'm, I mean, OBJ signing, I mean, does, does that change? Although that, you know, they, they went to dinner and had a, a good time and in Miami and all of those kind of good things. And so OBJ obviously is excited. I mean, I don't, does, does Lamar Jackson now change his stance are the Ravens more apt now to uh, to kind of uh, come up on the guaranteed dollars? I mean, that, that's the only thing. Because, like, if, if I'm Lamar Jackson, and, I, you know, again, I mean, w- does that make me want to now come back just because you got me a premier receiver who we don't know? I mean, we know in the past that OBJ has been a preeminent receiver, but after two ACLs, is that still the case? I mean, the, all reports, the workout look good. But, I mean, does, does that give Lamar Jackson more incentive to now sign? I don't think so. Does it give the Ravens more incentive to come and try to uh, uh, maybe come up on, on their contract offer? Possibly. It's something we can talk a little bit more about. Um, big news this week. The Washington Commanders and owner Daniel Snyder and businessman Josh Harris have agreed that the, uh, or I should say Harris has agreed to uh, purchase the Washington Commanders from Daniel Snyder and wife Tanya Snyder uh, for $6.05 billion, okay? And I, I know this is something that the Washington Commanders fans have been wanting for quite some time. A lot of the fans, it, it has been 24 years uh, with Dan Snyder as the owner. And I'll say this, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this, 2002, uh, my wife, my oldest son, and I uh, on our way to uh, a commander's game. This was, uh, I think, uh, the first year, the first uh, the year of, uh, of uh, Steve Spurrier. So we're on our way to the game. We get dropped off. Any of those that live in Washington know 202 and Bright Seat Road. Back in the day, there used to be a Circuit City right there so it's from there to walk to the stadium it's about I don't know it's probably it's not I mean you can see the stadium but it's a good little walk so we get dropped off right there at the corner we think we're gonna walk into the stadium no they had it blocked off you could not walk into the stadium I mean and this was you know this was three years into Daniel Snyder's tenure as owner you couldn't walk into the stadium you either had to pay for parking, or you had to catch the Metro bus. So we would have had to walk 
about a mile, mile and a half to catch the Metro bus. Uh, wife was pregnant at the time. Okay. So to catch the bus to get into the stadium, fortunately, there were two uh, ladies, Saw's walking. I don't remember how it happened. But anyway, they gave us a ride. They had parking pass, and we were able to get into the state. Didn't have to walk. Of course, we had the tickets. But, I mean, that just is a recollection I have that at that time, Daniel Snyder was all about the money. That was, you know, it was a lot of things that he was doing at the time that I didn't agree with. Now, one thing I did agree with, he was not afraid to spend money. I mean, whether the deals work out, worked out or not, he wasn't afraid to spend money, whether it was Deion Sanders, whether it was Albert Hainsworth, whether it was Jeff George. I mean... He was not afraid to spend money to try and enable the team to win. I think he did a lot of meddling. And I think ultimately, I I think, I'm not going to say fans can live with that, but I mean, you can can sort of live with that in in, in a way. But it, it, it became more than just the meddling. It became the sexual harassment allegations and all of the bad things that happened to the Washington Redskins and then the commanders, even while the commanders, it was like every other weekend. It seemed like every like two months at some point you were hearing something bad about the commanders being in the news as it relates to Daniel Snyder. And so I think this is, well, it certainly is the end of an era. It is, I think in a lot of fans minds, something that is warranted. I I, I mean, I don't really hear many fans that say, I mean, I think, you have some fans that can say I could go either way or or but you don't have many that are saying I want Daniel Snyder to stay. You don't have that. So he's finally going to sell the team. Uh, again, as I mentioned, you're talking about Josh, <coughs> excuse me, Josh Harris. Um, and you're also talking about he's so he is uh, the NBA. He's the owner of the 76ers and the New Jersey Devils minority owner in the Pittsburgh Steelers. So obviously he would have to sell that. And he also, the investment group includes Maryland businessman man, and philanthropist Mitchell Rails. And then also a Magic Johnson is involved. So you've got Josh Harris, who's a Washingtonian. You've got also involved in this Mitchell Rails, a Maryland businessman. And then, of course, you've got the legendary Magic Johnson. So this, I think this is a great, you've got, an owner who has been an owner in professional sports has some knowledge of the National Football League as a minority owner with the Pittsburgh Steelers has done a I think a good job with the 76ers uh you know the whole process I mean you know Philly's a a a a, a sports town that is that loves its sports Washington is a sports town that loves its commanders and uh, so I think this is a really really good move and uh, it's going to be a new era, whether and, and we'll see. I mean, I think it's probably too late to, uh, you know, I think Ron Rivera is going to be around at least for this year. And we'll see what happens moving forward. But this is a good day in Washington that Daniel Snyder is going to sell the commanders. Your thoughts hit me up via Twitter at dware one at dware one. Well, Trinity Thomas is one of the best gymnasts in all of collegiate athletics and it's interesting because a couple of weeks ago and she's like a couple of of perfect scores away from breaking the all-time record in terms of perfect 
scores in in collegiate gymnastics in history. And so she had gotten injured like a couple of weeks ago. And so at that point, I thought in the regionals, I thought that the Florida Gators season was over. It is, in fact, not. The Gators have continued to roll, uh, did well, losing to LSU. Now, LSU's got a really, 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 really good program and is poised to win a national championship. That said, the Florida Gators are in the national championship uh, on Saturday. Uh, Teams also in the championship, or the other three teams, LSU, Oklahoma, and Utah. Trinity Thomas, as a matter of fact, had a chance to catch up with her towards the latter part of February and had a chance to sit down with her and talk with her uh, about all of the success that the Gator program has had, the successes that she was having as an individual. And it was a, a really good conversation, and we'll take a listen. Hi. Well, thank you for that wonderful introduction. I'm doing well. How are you? Doing pretty good. Now, now so you're from York, Pennsylvania, correct? I am, yes. So the pastor of my church is going to love this New Providence Missionary Baptist Church. Um, pastor Wood, he's, he's, he's from York. I mean, he's, he's older, but he's from... He's from York. What was it like growing up in uh, in York, Pennsylvania? Yes, honestly, I was gone more than I was there. Or when I was there, I was at the gym. Um, so I didn't honestly get around York that much, but it was good. <laughs> well, let's talk about the competition. You, you all had a competition, and you've been doing very well. Your team, not only you individually, but your team's been doing very well. Now, I, you know, I had a chance to catch it on some of the highlights on SportsCenter. Now, I don't know. Like, look like a 10, look like two 10s to me. Like, you didn't get the 10s, right? You got great scores. It's not that. But should you have gotten perfect 10s on those? Um. Well, it's a very subjective sport, right? And it's being judged. So, I mean, the judges didn't think it was a 10, so it wasn't a 10. <laughs> but you thought, I mean, but I mean, but you thought it was a 10. Everybody else thought it was a 10. I get it, but right? It should have been. My point is it should have been a 10, correct? Well, I would have to rewatch my routines, but I okay. can normally find a little something, but I'm pretty hard on myself. So, wow. So, so, so you hadn't had a chance to rewatch it as of yet. I've watched them once or twice, but I haven't like really watched them to like look for the mistakes where they could have been, de- where there could have been deductions. So, yeah. No, 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 it's all good. So what does it mean? I mean, just talk about the season to this point. You guys, I mean, you as an individual doing Mm -hmm. very well, and then the Gators as a program doing very well. Just speak to that. Yes. So in the offseason, like, and in preseason, we work really, really hard. So um, we've been working all fall long and coming into January for our first meet. And then now we're we're almost to postseason now. So we've been working really hard I'm proud of this team I get to see them work hard in the gym every day we've been working on details because it really does come down to half a tenth or less sometimes in big competitions so this team's amazing and we're going to keep doing amazing things this season and as a student athlete can you sort of speak to how you're able to balance both because you're a grad student right so can you speak to how you're able to balance both um, competing at a very high level and then the schoolwork as well. And what are you majoring in as well? Yes. So I did my undergrad in applied physiology and kinesiology. 
And then my graduate program right now is health education and behavior. And so it's really hard sometimes to balance school and being an athlete and life outside of both of those. So it's a lot and it takes some good time management skills and you live and you learn, you figure out what works for you. And it looks a little bit different for everyone, but definitely time management is huge. More of the conversation with Trinity Thomas on the other side. Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. Call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. 800-303-3398. 800-303-3398. That's 800-303-3398. Has someone in your family lost a job recently and now you can't afford your mortgage payment? Or do you have a rental property and your tenants aren't paying you? We can come to the rescue and pay you cash for your home immediately. Yes, sell your home and get cash all over the phone without dealing with real estate agents or having to waste time showing your home to lukewarm buyers. You don't need to lose your house to foreclosure. If you have equity in your home, we'll buy your home and give you cash within days. All in a simple over-the-phone and virtual process. Call now before your situation gets worse. Sell a home you can't afford or just need anymore and get the cash you need today. Call this number now. Call 800-507-3116. That's 800-507-3116. It's Donald Ware from the Press Box to Press Row. Welcome back to Box to Row. On the other side, replaying an interview or conversation with Trinity Thomas of the University of Florida gymnastics team. The Gators going to be in the national championship on Saturday against a very tough LSU. Actually, Oklahoma is ranked number one and Utah number five. So the final four. Uh, of the women's gymnastic championships. And uh, again, Trinity Thomas had gotten injured last month and now is back and ready to lead her Gator team to the national championship. One of the reasons she came back to Florida this season and will continue the conversation. University of Florida Gator gymnast Trinity Thomas joins us here on the program as we talk about Uh, Her career, she's been on the U.S. national team. She's, of course, now with the Gators, is only a couple of uh, perfect scores away from being the all-time leader in terms of perfect scores. Um, What would it mean to you to get that record? That would, it's honestly a record that I didn't realize I was as close to until people started talking about it. So definitely it would be pretty cool, but not something I'm really focused on right now, honestly, but Um, I just control what I do out there and then we'll see what scores have to show in the long run. Yeah. For you. So you took it, you, you, you decided to stay like you took advantage, I guess, of the COVID year um, because I'm looking at sort of your bio here. You've had four years, then you, you got the fifth. Why so like, um, was it the sort of the camaraderie? Was it 
why did you take decide to kind of take advantage of that fifth year in terms of that COVID year? Yes. So, I mean, first and foremost, I love gymnastics and I accomplished a lot of amazing goals of mine last year, which was really special. And I feel blessed to have accomplished everything that I did. Um, and, but there was one thing that was missing last year and that was our team national championship title. We got second, uh, last year at NCAAs. And so that was probably the biggest factor. I was like, I have to come back. Like I have to give it one more shot. I've slowly built with each team that I've been on, um, from not making nationals all the way to second at nationals. So I just feel like if I've got one more shot, I've got to take it. Yeah, no, it's it's awesome. It, it you know it's a it's a great thing to be able to want to want to be able to do that because what would be the next sort of progression? Is it um, is it the Summer Olympics? What, what is that sort of sort of? What, what's the next next progression after college? Yes, so I am still furthering my education, um, but also keeping in the back of my mind, like if I'm healthy after this season, that it's a possibility that I could train too. So just kind of keeping all my doors open and making sure that I have options after I'm done. No doubt. Have you ever been in competition with like Simone? But I think you guys are around the same age, if I'm not mistaken. And we, matter of fact, so we had her on the program, I think um, 2017, the year after the Olympic games in 16. But then the first year we had her was like 2014 when she, I forget where, the team was and all that she had done all that, those great things. So have you ever been in competition with her? Yes. So I've competed with Simone and several of the other Olympians many times. We were all on a national team together. And so, yes, I've gotten to compete with, with Simone. Yeah. So what, what is, talk about that. I'm, I'm sure you got iron sharpen, sharpens iron as the <laughs> old saying goes. So I'm sure you guys in that competition raise each other's level. Yes. So Simone is obviously the best of the best, absolutely incredible. Um, and a friend of mine. And so it's it, the first time I met her, like I was a fan and I, I had watched her compete. And then now going into her next, well, the next time she was coming for the back for the next quad, I was all of a sudden there at camp with all the Olympians that I had looked up to. So that was pretty special for me. I went from watching them on TV to becoming friends with them and training with them and going on assignments and all kinds of things with them. So really, really special and really cool to be able to train with the best of the best. Trinity Thomas is a multiple time All-American for the Florida Gators. Uh, she joins us here on the program. 27 All-American? You were named All-American 27 times last year, right? Like 27 times? Like talk about that. What, what does that mean to you? So it's 27 times total um, over all of my years, but it honestly, it's, it's quite, it's quite a thing, huh? Um, I've yes. worked really hard <laughs> to, to get as consistent as possible and to just perfect my craft and really go out there and be able to compete through routines that I practice in the gym. And so, you know, hard work and paying attention to detail and it, it, it pays off. Yeah, no, no, no question about it. Um, so the next, what's the, what's sort of the next competition uh, for your team and how do, do you feel like the team as a whole 
is as good as last year? Because you minute you mentioned finishing runner-up, and so you want to be able to get over that hump. And you know, you've beaten some really good teams along the the way. So how do you think that this is in fact the year that the Gators can win that national championship, which is one of the main reasons you came back to school this year? Yes. So I've been on so many talented teams here while I've been here. Um, obviously, they change every year. New people come in, people lose. All of our teams have been crazy talented, and this one is no different. This team is absolutely incredible. We've got world champions, all everything. We've got everything across the board. So um, it's pretty cool to have that many incredible athletes in one gym at one time training every day together. We push each other and we're there for each other. We've got each other's backs. So it's, it's really pretty special. And this team definitely has what it takes to win a national championship. And that's exactly what we're striving for. You know, I mentioned, um, you know, Simone Biles been a guest on the show back in the day, Dominic Dawes uh, was a guest on this program. You don't see a lot of black gymnasts. You, you, you don't particularly in competition. So speak to that, maybe some of the people you looked up to kind of growing up and what that means to you when people, uh, young girls of color can now look up to you and the accomplishments that you had. Yes. So I feel like you're seeing more girls that look like me participating in gymnastics more and more and more. And when I first started participating, uh, there weren't a lot of girls that looked like me at my gyms personally. And so that was something that I had to work through and something that I had to work on knowing how to love myself and learning how to know that I was different and that's okay. Knowing that I was beautiful, even if I didn't look like them. And so just like things like that. And now, now that I'm a lot more grown up, <laughs> I can look back and look at all these little girls and be that motivation for them and tell them that they're beautiful and tell them that they've got this and to tell them that they can be right where I am one day. So just to have that, have this platform that I have to be an inspiration to little black girls everywhere is a blessing. What is it like getting all of this notoriety, right? Like you're on sports center, like every week now, right. Going for the, getting the perfect tens going back a couple of weeks ago. And then, you know, sort of looking for that, that record. What, what is that sort of like for you? And do you hear a lot from your people in your, in your hometown of York, Pennsylvania? Yes, it's still a little weird for me. I don't know that I'll ever get used to it. Uh, people will send me things, old like classmates from like middle school, high school, send me things. Did you see her on this or whatever? Um, obviously my family too. And so it still is like weird because I'm just like, oh, I'm just like me, the little gymnast that came from York, Pennsylvania. Um, so I guess sometimes I don't really see myself in the same light that I think everybody else does. So it's a little bit weird at times couple more thoughts for Trinity Thomas and Trinity. We do appreciate the time. What are, what are you, so um, next year, are you looking towards or for the Olympics for next year? Um, so like I said, something that's in the back of my mind right now, I'm not super focused on it because I want to focus on where I am right now and working with my team to win national championship. But it's definitely something that's being thought about and considered and we'll see if I'm healthy. Yeah. What do you, what do you, um, what was your undergrad degree in? What are you, and what are you hoping to do with that once your, once your gymnastics career is over? Yes. Yeah, so my undergrad degree is in applied physiology and kinesiology. And then my graduate degree is in health education and behavior. And I'm finishing that one up this semester. 
Um, I did apply to nursing school and I'm trying to figure out all of those pieces and figure out kind of what is next for me. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I, I like a lot of things that I'm passionate about a, a lot of things. So I'm just, like I said, trying to keep my doors open, um, and kind of seeing what opportunities present themselves and what I kind of enjoy most. No doubt about it. Trinity Thomas, 27 time all American. And by the way, so are you, are, is it just the beam? What else are you, do you compete in? I compete um, on all four. So it's vault, bars, beam, and floor. Okay. Okay. Do you like any one better than the other? Yes. Floor is my favorite to compete. Okay. Why so? It's so much fun. Um, you've got the tumbling, but you also have the dance. So you kind of get to show off and show your personality and have fun while you're also doing your gymnastics. So that's what I really like about floor. Trinity Thomas of the Florida Gator gymnastics team. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Thank you to Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, for joining us today here on Box to Row. For more information on the program, conversations, stories, commentary, all America teams, log on to our website, boxtorow.com. And always remember to support those that support your box to row is produced by dw communications